Engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB, the nation's most listened to news talk station. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We need to begin a discussion about Bernie Sanders. The Democrats are starting to freak out about Bernie Sanders. They, they, they are feeling the burn, so to speak as some of them had said, and and they're beginning to express just how disgruntled they are with the rise of Bernie Sanders in the media, which has been highly unusual. The Democrats have largely been disciplined thus far, but uh, they're starting to come unglued on this. And Bernie was on, uh, he did a a panel, a, a forum, if you will, with Fox News and said a few things that caused the Democrats to squirm. Let, let me let me just say out of the gate, though, I have uh, friends and family were just uh, appalled to see Bernie Sanders on Fox News last night. I think it was a good thing for Bernie Sanders and for the network. Uh, the reason being, CNN has kind of had a monopoly on these town halls, and the Democrats have been pushing a narrative that Fox News is hostile to Democrats, Fox News won't give Democrats a fair hearing, and uh, Democrats should avoid Fox News like the plague. So here comes uh, uh, Martha McCallum and Brett Baer. They bring on Bernie Sanders. They even give him a favorable uh, town hall forum. It's not stacked with Trump supporters. And they ask him probing questions. It, it was a good forum. It was a good discussion. We should want more of this, not less of this. We should want more of it because it uh, shows the Democrats that Fox is willing to give them a fair hearing. It shows CNN and MSNBC that Fox can actually compete in this area, even though CNN and MSNBC work overtime to try to slander Fox and and hurt it with viewers and advertisers. And it also shows Fox's viewers that there are other people and other ideas out there that you may not like, but I would rather you hear from Bernie Sanders himself than hear from, frankly, even me uh, characterizing what Bernie Sanders is saying. It's, It's very good for us to actually hear what the candidates themselves are saying as opposed to telling you what the candidates are saying. We live in a day and age where on the left and the right, we all want to tell you what the other side is saying, which is one reason, you know, when I play clips here, I try to play extended audio of what the people actually said because I don't want anyone to accuse me of saying I spliced it or edited it or took it out of context. I want you to be able to hear it in context. And now... I want you to be able to hear something Bernie Sanders said yesterday in the Fox Forum in context. Your taxes do show that you're a millionaire. You did make a million in 2016, 2017. You're right, the 561 in 2018. But your marginal tax rate, tax rate was 26% because of President yeah. Trump's tax cuts. So why not say, you know, I'm leading this revolution. I'm not going to take those. <laughs> Come on. But there he, I am... I paid the taxes that I owe. And by the way, why don't you got Donald Trump up here and ask him how much he pays in taxes? No, notice how he tried to avoid it. He did not want to answer it. I think that there needs to be more of this probing on the right as these candidates' tax returns come out. In fact, what's so very interesting is that uh, we're finding the Democrats are not charitable at all. And in fact, of of all the Democrats, Elizabeth Warren turned out to be the most charitable. 
she gave away tens of thousands of dollars on her income. Beto O'Rourke, I mean, y'all, this is actually pretty appalling data on Beto O'Rourke. The man is married to a billionaire heiress or, or multimillionaire if we're charitable. Beto O'Rourke released 10 years in tax returns. By the way, an account for the Wall Street Journal noted that Beto O'Rourke got some information on his taxes wrong. He and his wife owe an extra $4,000. They're having to refile. Uh, but in he and his wife released 10 years of tax returns. And Beto O'Rourke and his wife, his wife who is the heiress of a, a, charitably a, a multimillionaire, but more likely a billionaire, they gave $1,166 to charity in 2017. They actually earned in 2017 $370,412. $370,412 in 2017, and they only gave $1,166 to charity. One-third of 1% that puts the O'Rourke's at the bottom of charitable giving among the Democrats. Bernie Sanders and his wife uh, earned $566,000, and they gave $19,000 in charity. Kamala Harris earned $1.9 million last year and gave $27,000 to charity. Amy Klobuchar and her husband donated $6,600 of their $338,000 salary. Kristen Gillibrand made $215,000 and donated $3,750 to charity. Elizabeth Warren and her husband donated $50,000 last year on an income of $906,000. These are, wow. Now, so here's, here's the, let me put all these in perspective. Mitt Romney gave away $4 million dollars. The year before he ran for president in 2011, Mitt Romney gave away $4 million. He earned $13.7 million, gave away $4 million, or 29.4%. The Democrats, on average, running for president this year, gave away less than 2% of their income. Now, I want to I go back through these because I think this is important. Uh, Beto O'Rourke gave one-third of 1% of his income to charity. Bernie Sanders gave 3.4% of his income to charity. Kamala Harris gave 1.4%. Amy Klobuchar gave slightly less than 2%. Kristen Gillibrand gave uh, slightly less than 2%. Elizabeth Warren gave 5.5%. Jay Inslee, he's the Democratic governor of Washington, he gave 4%. Mitt Romney, before he ran for president. Oh, and, and Joe Biden... Uh, in 2008, when he was running for president, he remember he ran for president before being picked as uh, Obama's vice president. He gave uh, roughly $369 a year to charity. Yeah. When he was vice president, he gave on average 1.8%. Mitt Romney gave 29.4%. 29.4%. None of these Democrats gave above 5.5%. Most of them gave 2% or less. Mitt Romney gave 29.4%. This is not a partisan issue. And I know it sounds superficially like a partisan issue. 
we don't have Pete Buttigieg and his information. And I suspect what we're going to see with Pete Buttigieg is that he gave more than these guys. And the reason is because Pete Buttigieg, Butter Judge, it's so much easier to say Butter Judge like Siri translates, he says he's a religious person. Religious people, even on the Democratic side, religious people give more money because they feel a personal obligation to help the poor. Religious people give more money. The data shows that Republicans tend to give more money to charity than Democrats. And the data also shows that if you were to get rid of the charitable deduction, Republicans would still give more than Democrats. And it's not really a partisan point, though everyone interprets it as a partisan point. The actual interpretation is that uh, there are more people of faith who vote Republican. People of faith give more money to charity. Christians are compelled by Scripture to, to tithe to church. you got to support your church. A lot of churches really take the, the tithing uh, to be a literal 10%. Most do. And they do. Mitt Romney's a Mormon. He gives a lot of money. Mormons are highly, highly, highly charitable. Christians are highly, highly, highly charitable. Uh, Muslims and Orthodox Jews are highly, highly, highly charitable. And uh, the result of that charity shows up and has an impact. Secular Democrats, meanwhile, and it's really not Democrats, it's the more secular you are, even among Republicans, uh, super wealthy Republicans who do not go to church are as stingy as a lot of Democrats who claim to be Christians. And it all comes back to your actual faith and, and how seriously you take your faith. That's why I think uh, Buttigieg, he uh, claims to take his faith very seriously. I think we will see that reflected in his amount of charitable giving, in his personal charitable giving. But uh, the more secular you are, the less you give. Democrats have become a party that is highly secular, and we're seeing this in the data with the Democrats. They do not give to charity. They think that they pay their taxes to the government, and in paying their taxes to the government, the government should take care of everything. And we're seeing that reflected in Bernie Sanders' remark. Bernie Sanders says very clearly that he's not going to pay a penny more than what he owes in taxes. He wants taxes increased, and unless they're increased, he's not going to pay more. You've got a group out there called um, Patriotic Taxpayers or Patriotic Millionaires, they're calling themselves, and they want the tax cuts to go away. They want their taxes increased. They could just give money to the government, but they don't want to. They want to be compelled. They view themselves as being at a competitive disadvantage if they give more money to the government. But here's the thing. They view it that way with charity, too. Secular voters give less because they expect the government to do more and think they're depriving themselves of something if they do it themselves. They want the government to make us do things. That's a worldview issue, and it's reflected in the data of the Democratic secularists running for president. Okay, guys, a quick timeout for this week's sponsor. And, you know, the, I get a script. When you do a live read, you get a script, and it gives you suggested talking points. And so this week, the sponsor is my butterfly pillow, and I appreciate it. And, you know, the script starts that not all of us sleep the same way. 63% of Americans sleep on their side. Are you one of them? And then talks about my butterfly pillow. Forget the script. I can do this one. Why can I do this one? Because I've been traveling with my butterfly pillow.
when I have to stay in hotels of late. Because, you know, hotel pillows, just they, they're they like pancakes. I mean, they're really, really, really fluffy, and you put your head on them, and they I mean, flat-out pancakes. And I have stayed at a hotel recently where I know there was a bunch of road noise. And so one of the cool things about my butterfly pillow is that in addition to being adjustable, I mean, you can adjust the height on this thing, but it also has a Bluetooth night owl speaker. So you can actually stream from your phone to the pillow and listen to music or podcast or I use the call map when I'm in a hotel and listen to it on my butterfly pillow. So you get a soft pillow, but it doesn't flatten out like a pancake and you can adjust it. So it, it supports your neck. Your, your neck doesn't get cricked. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a great pillow. It is thoughtfully designed clearly by people who have had these problems. And you know, as the script says, it, it keeps your neck and spine in alignment throughout the night. Even if you switch sides, it really does really am a fan of this pillow and listeners to my show can save $30 off the list price of $129. Use code Eric at checkout and you'll get my butterfly pillow for just $99 and free shipping in the continental United States. Go to mybutterflypillow.com and enter code Eric at checkout, save $30 and get free shipping. That's mybutterflypillow.com. Check out code Eric. And the great thing about it is you can take it with you to these hotels that have these horrible, horrible, fluffy pillows that flatten out like pancakes. You can use my butterfly pillow and get a good night's sleep. I need to go back to Covington. I like Covington. They got a nice little downtown with lots of restaurants in Covington. It's a nice little place. All right. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Does anybody know where Joe Biden is? I mean, he's, he's like the Stacey Abrams of national politics. Neither one of them can can make up their mind. Man, I was talking to one of the state Democrats earlier today, uh, one of the more prominent Democrats in the state. You would all know who I'm talking about. And he was using naughty words. And he said I could say he used naughty words on the air. He is really, really, really aggravated, uh, frustrated with Stacey Abrams dithering. Uh, that she needs to do something. She needs to make it public. They need to have a primary. They need to start raising money. And he doesn't think she should run against David Perdue. Uh, notice how after she gave that interview on, on GPB where she uh, said maybe she's going to run for president and all that other stuff and, and uh, she's still mad at Brian Kemp and she thinks she won and, and there was historic turnout but voters were surprised. She's gone completely silent, fallen off the radar. Uh, nowhere to be seen. No, n- nobody's heard from her since. That's very interesting how quiet she suddenly gotten. And it corresponds not just to those statements, but also to the polling that came out that shows she hurt herself politically. You know, there were some news outlets who looked at that poll from the AJC and said, oh, look, she and David Perdue, they, they got about the same favorability rating. And say that's not true, though, because David Perdue has a very low unfavorable rating. Stacey Abrams' unfavorable rating is tied to her favorable rating at like 45%. That's not good. Not good at all for Stacey Abrams. And now she's gone underground, um, quiet, off the radar, I guess hoping people forget about this badly handled media rollout of whatever it was. Now, when we come back, universities in Georgia, they're going to be raising tuition prices. We need to discuss this. It's 
It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You are listening to Atlantis Evening News here on WSB. Got several stories I want to hit in this half hour, including uh, tuition increases coming to the University of Georgia school system. Um, but a couple uh, out of the gate. Uh, one is the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled this afternoon in the case of Crosby versus Twitter, uh, Google and Facebook, that uh, social media companies cannot be held responsible for the acts of terrorists. This is from the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. Uh, the Pulse nightclub in Orlando uh, is where Omar Mateen, the terrorist, went in, opened fire, killing 49 people, injuring 53 people. According to the plaintiffs, um, ISIS used uh, social media platforms to post propaganda and virtually recruit Americans to commit terrorist attacks. And it worked on Mateen. And so they're suing Facebook, Google, and Twitter for failing to take the steps necessary to stop terrorists from using their platform. The Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals says not everything's redressable in court. It's terrible, but uh, these uh, organizations are responsible, not the social media companies. That is the right decision, I think. Um, the other case that I, I, um, the other case, it's not really a case, uh, that I, I want to point out is what happened to, uh, Ella Dorsey. Ella Dorsey is on the CBS station here in Atlanta and interrupted the masters towards the end with Tiger Woods playing, uh, to give updates on, on tornado coverage. And there was a split screen, so viewers could see the golf being played, but the play-by-play was muted for the weather updates. And she's received death threats for it. Death threats. Now, I have opinions on this, believe it or not. <laughs> you may too, 404-872-0750, wsb talk uh, so I was watching, we had tornadoes in the Macon area. I was watching the the local CBS affiliate in middle Georgia, WMAZ, uh, Ben Jones, the meteorologist. He came in and spent 15 seconds, maybe, jumped on and said, tornado in the area, here are the counties affected. Go to Facebook Live uh, for more information. We're covering it there. We don't want to interrupt the master's. Uh, we'll come back if uh, there's an update and jumped out and they left the thing across the bottom uh, trailing where everything was, uh, but they didn't do split screen and uh, they did everything on Facebook live. And uh, I think that approach was better. I'm not going to second guess a news station and it is a news station. There's a tornado in the area. But it's also the Masters, and I, I liked the approach of the guy in middle Georgia. Uh, I thought it was an understanding of the ritual that is the Masters, that come on, hey, here's the situation, here are the counties affected, here's the radar, uh, we're going to Facebook Live to cover this, we don't want to interrupt the Masters. Uh, but your mileage may vary on that. Uh, what I do find absolutely appalling is that people wanted to give death threats to a meteorologist doing her job. You may be upset with this. And, you know, there is the other issue, and I get this. This is a fair point. A, a friend of mine raised it when we were talking about this on, on Sunday evening when social media just lit up in complaints, that there are other TV stations in the area, 
And maybe the approach could have been, um, if you're worried, go to one of our, go to, go to WSB TV, go, go to the Fox five, go, go to one of these other channels. Now, of course they don't want to do that. They want to keep you there. Um, but, but they're keeping you there for the masters. They're, they're not really keeping you there for weather. And I think that's a good approach. Uh, we shouldn't second guess this, but should the situation arise again, I hope everyone rethinks it. But in any event, how is it acceptable to give death threats to a meteorologist who's trying to save your life? That's insane. That's insane. Look, I get the masters, but come on, people. Uh, if you really cared, you would have been Augusta. <laughs> I kid there, but seriously. I mean, how is it okay? She's doing her job. She's trying to help people avoid a tornado, and you're giving her death threats while she's trying to save your life? That is insane and uncalled for. And it is awful to see people behaving this way. Uh, and it's an increasing phenomenon of people hiding behind the shield of anonymity, uh, doing something they would never do if their name was attached to it. It's pitiful. Now, one last issue. Uh, we'll get into Notre Dame, the Notre Dame update here in a minute. Uh, multiple billionaires have come forward and they've, they've already raised like $400 million to rebuild it. You, you know where billionaires are not coming forward? Seven churches in South Louisiana, my home state, uh, have been burned by an arsonist. Uh, they were intentionally set. They have arrested the individual. They are charging him with hate crimes. Uh, he has burned down seven historic black churches in South Louisiana. And I am, I have contributed, and I hope you'll consider contributing. You can go to my Twitter feed and find the link uh, to contribute to helping rebuild these seven churches. I, I think as much as... So many of us, myself included, would be willing to contribute to help rebuild Notre Dame. Uh, here at home, there's this. I got an email from a listener earlier asking why so many people are willing to give to Notre Dame. What about the farmers and people in South Georgia still recovering from the hurricane last year? And I did not email back. I probably should have. Um, but my response to that is giving to the Red Cross, the Salvation Army, and other groups that are helping down there. Even the Southern Baptist Mission Board, I believe, is still active down there is a great thing and a good thing. But we also know that uh, the federal government is going to be involved in funding that, and the government is not going to be involved in rebuilding any of these churches. And so our tax dollars are going to help people in South Georgia. Our dollars can go to help those with the government. The U.S. government, because of the separation of church and state, is not going to be contributing money to rebuild a church in France, let alone churches in South Louisiana. And so that's where I will choose to spend my money. Now, on the Georgia Board of Regents, the tuition is going to go up by 2.5% this fall for full-time undergraduate students. Uh, there are 26 schools in the University System of Georgia. Mandatory fees are also going to increase by roughly 2.5% for some of the campuses. Online tuition costs, though, are going to go down by 33%. They're trying to encourage people to go the online route instead of the, the physical campus route. Tuition increases are going to range from $35 to $125 per semester. Fee increases will range from $4 to $50 per semester at 11 schools. Now, the increase, I'm reading from the AJC now, the increases are necessary to fund ongoing programs improve to improve retention rates recruit faculty, help more students graduate, and cover other costs such as rising health care. What is notable here is that they did not raise tuition last year. They did increase fees in some areas, but they did not raise tuition last year. So this is actually the, the university system in Georgia has been pretty good at not raising uh, tuition. They are going up this year. 
2.5%, not terrible. But it is also a reminder, though, how tuition in colleges continues to outpace inflation everywhere else in this country. And I still think, I'm very convinced that federal student loans, subsidized student loans, and frankly, even the HOPE scholarship um, really help incentivize colleges blowing spending uh, and just just escalating way outside the, the the rate of inflation for everyone else. And I, if I were king for a day, I would probably prohibit subsidized student loans because I think you would actually see tuition rates go down because students would not be able to afford those loans. And so everything would adjust accordingly. I think most colleges and universities, particularly private schools, have been able to jack up their costs and tuition because they know everybody's going to get a loan and not have to worry about it for, for five, six years before they start paying on loans. And it totally throws the market out of whack. And that's got to be reconsidered. We are less than 48 hours from the Mueller report dropping. It is supposed to be out before lunchtime Thursday, we will give you the most detailed coverage anywhere in Atlanta of the report. Why? Because we're WSB and we can do that. We have talented deep benches of people who are going to pour over it and give you lots of information. I'll be here on Thursday. Uh, extended uh, show four to seven on Thursday. On Good Friday, we're going to be doing the Good Friday show f- six to eight o'clock. Uh, be sure to tune in. We'll put it up as a podcast as well, standalone podcast, so you'll be able to get it. Uh, this is really tomorrow, actually, is the last day. If you got a local church group that has music available on the series of tubes known as the internet that you want me to consider for the Good Friday show, you can get it to us. Shoot me a line, eric at theresurgent.com. Can I just say Pete Buttigieg, Pete Butterjudge, he is obsessing about Mike Pence again. He wants Mike Pence to evolve. Maybe I need a longer segment to say this, but there is a class of highly educated white people who are going to support Pete Butterjudge for the same reason they supported Barack Obama, that they want people to know they're open-minded and tolerant. Uh, They value that. They claim to be independent, even though they're in a herd of people who think the same way they do. Uh, And they all think they're super independent and have all come to the same conclusion, and they really haven't. Uh, But it's, it's a bunch of white people who don't want to call themselves liberal or progressive, but they are. And they want people to know they're not bigots, homophobes, or racists, so they back candidates like this. They don't really care what the people stand for. They just want to feel good about themselves. They want a virtue signal by having the Butter Judge bumper sticker on the back of their car the same way they had the Obama one on the back of their car. And they'll go all in and they'll excuse everything in the same way Donald Trump supporters excuse everything Donald Trump has done. And they'll be mad at you if you point it out. Hello and welcome. It is the second hour here of Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. I am Eric Erickson and the phone number is 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK if you would like to be a part of the program. Let's turn to uh, local news and politics. Uh, But before I do that, can I tell on myself I found something very funny that perhaps maybe I should not have found very funny. 
I was out for a walk this afternoon and I literally in you know the, the the tiny little cloud of like like little white flying insects I think I inhaled a cloud of them uh, I started laughing and choking so hard a friend of mine sent me a picture of the hunchback of Notre Dame from Disney's cartoon and the caption was I have information that will lead to the arrest of Hillary Clinton I know I felt horrible for laughing about it, but my goodness, the memes from people circulating about all of these things, just, uh, we have become a meme culture, uh, absolutely have become a meme culture. Uh, not, not necessarily even thoughtful these days. Uh, a lot of it very, very funny as some of it very, very not funny. And we're seeing more and more of this stuff. And I suspect we're going to see meme culture invade the elections in Georgia in 2020 with lots of people taking uh, strident positions on particular candidates. And one of those candidates being David Perdue. Uh, Democrats in Georgia today lashing out at David Perdue because he is standing by the president's call to send illegal aliens to sanctuary cities. Um, they are are saying, by and large, the Democrats are, uh, what does David Perdue ever disagree with the president on? And I think we're starting to see that that is going to be the line of attack that develops against David Perdue by the Democrats is the Democrats think that David Perdue's loyalty to the president is going to be something that causes David Perdue trouble in 2020. I don't know that I agree with them in this. I think 2020 is is a presidential year, which is a different dynamic from an off-year election. But David Perdue is leaving nothing to chance. Fundraising numbers are out. He's raised about $3 million for his uh, Senate campaign in 2020. That's a very good number, by the way for the incumbent senator from Georgia to be raising. The Democrats, meanwhile, have a problem on their hands. As I mentioned in the first hour of the show, they are behind the scenes beginning to be more vocally critical of Stacey Abrams. They want her to tell them what she is doing. She has gone very, very quiet since her unfortunate interview on GPTV, where she said, uh, was it GP? Yeah, it was GPTV. Uh, or, um, or no, 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 no. It was the, uh, it was the Teresa Tomlinson interview on GPTV. And it was Teresa Tomlinson who, and, um, Abrams had been on, she had been on what, uh, Morning Joe. And then you had the situation thereafter where you had Teresa Tomlinson saying, basically, you know, I want to run, but I'm not going to run if Stacey Abrams is going to run because if Stacey Abrams is going to run, I'm going to support her, but I would really like to run. It sounded very, very desperate. It was, it was kind of sad. And the Democrats are really not sure what she's going to do. They want some candidates. And there is a suggestion and I think a good one that Tomlinson, Mayor Tomlinson, is not the strongest candidate to put against David Perdue. They need someone to go up against David Perdue, and increasingly the polling suggests that Stacey Abrams isn't going to be strong either. So what do they do? they got to come up with something, and they don't know, and they don't have a candidate that they think is strong yet, and they have really, really, really expected that they could pick up Georgia. But ultimately, they're learning something that regular listeners of this program already know candidates matter candidates matter the other candidate that matters is next door to us in alabama there is polling out that suggests roy moore is in the lead for that race over there 
I don't know that Roy Moore is even going to run. And I also don't think that this poll really needs to have as much buzz. It's It's been all the talk today on social media among the politicos. Oh, my goodness, Alabama's going to cost the Republicans this, this seat. They, it should be any. I don't think he's going to run. And even if he does, I don't think he's going to be the nominee. Basically, 26, 27 percent of people in Alabama say that they would support Roy Moore. Here's the thing. Roy Moore ran statewide and was the Republican nominee uh, against Doug Jones. And he did not win. And now 27% of Republicans in Alabama say they would support him. By the way, there was only like 400 Republicans polled. So 5 6% plus or minus margin of error. So it doesn't really matter. That's his high more likely than not. That's as high as he will get. So there are plenty of other good candidates out there. And right now it's all name recognition. This is, by the way, part of the problem we have with these polls right now, even on the Democratic side. So much of the polling right now is polling based on name ID. People you've never heard of are running. And so the people you're more likely to vote for are the people you've heard about, which gets me back to the Joe Biden issue. He continues to do well in polls, but, 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 but there is new polling out that has Bernie Sanders in the lead in the early states, not just New Hampshire. Everybody dismisses New Hampshire because of Vermont. Um, Bernie Sanders is the senator from Vermont. If you run from Vermont in New Hampshire, the odds are you're going to do well because the voters are very familiar with you. They share a media market with you. Many of the campaign ads that Bernie Sanders would run in Vermont for his reelection campaigns are ads that are run on New Hampshire TV stations to get into certain markets in Vermont in the same way that, that Massachusetts um, that market can cross over as well. So Bernie Sanders doing really well in, in uh, New Hampshire is a no-brainer. But Bernie Sanders doing well in South Carolina and in Iowa and other states, that's becoming problematic for Democrats. And there's a, bi- I shouldn't say bipartisan, there's a, a bipolar group of, of Democrats that are meeting a, a centrist, supposed centrist, supposed moderates and a bunch of progressives who are really upset with the idea of Bernie Sanders winning this. Nancy Pelosi, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Chuck Schumer and a bunch of others are getting together and behind the scenes trying to shape the Democratic primary. It, it, by the way, the, it's worth noting that the Democrats, they claim they're abandoning superdelegates, but they're also a party that does use the powerful and influential to shape the vote in the primaries way more than Republicans do. So it's really rich for them to be screaming about the Electoral College interfering with the, the will of the people when the Democrats are behind the scenes plotting right now to interrupt the will of the people. And by the way, I think this actually helps Bernie Sanders to have Chuck Schumer and Pete Buttigieg and Nancy Pelosi and the like in a room complaining about him being the candidate is the same sort of dynamic that helped Donald Trump. Donald Trump made it a big issue that the Republican elite were out to get him. I think Bernie Sanders will do that to his advantage as well. I don't know that the Democrats have figured out how to handle Bernie Sanders. It's going to be very, very fun to watch. Okay, guys, a quick timeout for this week's sponsor. And, you know, I get a script. When you do a live read, you get a script and it gives you suggested talking points. And so this week, the sponsor is my butterfly pillow and I appreciate it. And, you know, the script starts that not all of us sleep the same way. 63% of Americans sleep on their side. Are you one of them? And then talks about my butterfly pillow. Forget the script. I can do this one. Why can I do this one? Because I've been traveling with my butterfly pillow. 
when I have to stay in hotels of late. Because, you know, hotel pillows, just they, they're they like pancakes. I mean, they're really, really, really fluffy, and you put your head on them, and they, I mean, flat-out pancakes. And I have stayed at a hotel recently where I know there was a bunch of road noise. And so one of the cool things about my butterfly pillow is that in addition to being adjustable, I mean, you can adjust the height on this thing, but it also has a Bluetooth night owl speaker. So you can actually stream from your phone to the pillow and listen to music or podcast or I use the call map when I'm in a hotel and listen to it on my butterfly pillow. So you get a soft pillow, but it doesn't flatten out like a pancake and you can adjust it. So it, it supports your neck. Your, your neck doesn't get cricked. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a great pillow. It is thoughtfully designed clearly by people who have had these problems. And you know, as the script says, it, it keeps your neck and spine in alignment throughout the night. Even if you switch sides, it really does really am a fan of this pillow and listeners to my show can save $30 off the list price of $129. Use code Eric at checkout and you'll get my butterfly pillow for just $99 and free shipping in the continental United States. Go to mybutterflypillow.com and enter code Eric at checkout, save $30 and get free shipping. That's mybutterflypillow.com. Check out code Eric. And the great thing about it is you can take it with you to these hotels that have these horrible, horrible, fluffy pillows that flatten out like pancakes. You can use my butterfly pillow and get a good night's sleep. There is good news about Notre Dame. It's interesting, by the way, uh, just as an aside here, how the news shapes up because yesterday, all of the press reports were that at least two of the rose windows we're out. In fact, this morning I saw a number of reporters talking about how those two windows had uh, melted away, the, the glass had broken and fallen out, and it turns out that they're there. Uh, most of the stained glass of Notre Dame has been preserved, not just the rose windows, but the other famous windows as well. Uh, the the main rose window, the one that is, is photographed all the time, it has been spared. The bell has been spared as far as we know. The major relics in there, the the uh, piece of the true cross, as they call it, uh, is believed to be part of the cr- uh, crucifixion cross of Christ. And one of the nails uh, from that cross have been preserved. The crown of thorns has been rescued. The priest actually went in in the middle of the blaze. The priest went into the building and rescued the crown of thorns that has been preserved in there. Uh, just a, a word on that when we come back. There's also a, a relic of, of some saints that they saved. Most of the major artwork has been saved. The cross above the altar, turns out, when the flames were out, they went back in. The altar was spared. The statuary around the altar was spared. The cross was spared. Um, the structural supports of the building were spared. It was mostly just the roof. There is still damage, and some of the windows have been destroyed. Some of the art has been destroyed, but overwhelmingly, the building has been preserved, and France will rebuild. France has two major billionaires, and they are highly competitive with each other, and today have basically been out bidding each other on the amount of money they're going to contribute to rebuild Notre Dame. Privately, these two individuals have ponied up $400 million between the two of them to help rebuild it. Again, though, there are seven churches in South Louisiana that were burned to the ground by an arsonist, and I hope people will consider contributing to them. I did. My wife and I contributed $500 to that, and hope others will as well.
this isn't in my list of music. This is someone else's music. <laughs> no, no, no. Somebody, somebody had to stick this one in there. Shaney B did. Man, he he's he's trotting out other people's. No, no. We can delete this one. <laughs> Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. I'm so thrown off now by this music. Uh, I, I have been getting questions from people. You know, they, they had district conventions for the uh, Republican Party in Georgia, and they're headed to the state convention. There are several people running for chairman of the Republican Party in Georgia. I will deal with this just very, very briefly. Uh, Scott Johnson and David Schaefer are the two that I know of. There is another. Uh, I know and like them both. I have said I would support David Schaefer. He is a longtime friend of mine, and I think he was born for this position. Um, but uh, I know there are a lot of people who are supporting Scott Johnson, who is the chairman of the Fulton County Republican Party and did a fantastic job in Fulton County. I have nothing but good things to say about him as well. Um, so you got two good, competent people running who would be brilliant for the job. Uh, I just think we've got to have somebody as chairman of the Republican Party in Georgia who uh, is understands data and understands we got to get people in here and start really building back up ground games. Uh, and, and no disrespect, by the way, to, to our current chairman of the Republican Party in Georgia, very, very good guy who kind of fell into the role uh, out of necessity. And he's a, he's a good guy, but it's he's ready to move on. He did what he needed to do to keep things together and wants to hand it off to someone who can grow the party again. Uh, oh, Scott Johnson, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I said uh, for si or Fulton, didn't I? Cobb. Uh, Scott Johnson and Cobb. Um, anyway, uh, good people. Uh, Scott Johnson and David Schaefer both. Um, I just, I, look, I, I back David for lieutenant governor. I would back him for executive or for chairman. Um, but nonetheless, you've got great people running those two guys. And it would, it would be, I, I think they both need an opportunity to make their case for chairman of the party, I think both of them do understand that the Republican Party in Georgia has taken a lot of things for granted over the last decade. And as a result of taking things for granted, uh, has kind of uh, atrophied. I remember back when I was a lawyer, I was the uh, lawyer for my local Republican Party which was interesting. Also wound up always being the parliamentarian for the meetings at the county and the district level. Uh, I was, I'm a good parliamentarian. Uh, I love me some Robert's rules. Nonetheless. Uh, yeah, I am a nerd. It over the buildup of the Republican party in Georgia was so systematic and developing databases and, and finding people and doing surveys and getting to know your neighbors and, and doing walks, and now everybody thinks that volunteering involves just uh, putting up a comment on Facebook. You know, I, I've actually got a lot of data that that shows that the people who listen to this program and also read The Resurgent are probably the best volunteers you can ask for, which is actually really fascinating. If you listen here to, to me on the radio and then read The Resurgent, you have a higher likelihood of wanting to donate to a candidate, uh, operate a phone bank, go door-to-door -door for a candidate, uh, run in the mill people these days they just want to vent on facebook or comment on a website and that's not actually getting people elected 
Getting people elected involves sweat equity of knocking on doors, doing phone banks, going to events, helping organize events, getting people face-to-face in a room. A, the candidate who gets more people face-to-face in a room with them typically wins. And the Democrats have been highly, highly motivated to do this. And Republicans have been phoning it in for a couple of years now, thinking, ah, the state's red. Nothing's going to happen. Well, guess what? Things are happening. So got to do something. Now, uh, that's all we need to say about that. I am trying to get a sense. I, several people have actually asked me. In fact, Charlie just pinged me on this as I'm getting text messages from other. When is fetal heartbeat being signed? I do not know. Uh, and I need to find that out. Uh, I don't know when that is. But it should be this week. Uh, the media spin. It's very interesting how coordinated the media spin and the Democratic spin is these days in Georgia. Have you noticed how, I mean, it was a Democratic talking point that major members of the media in Georgia treated as as legit that the governor was intentionally waiting for the masters because he was embarrassed and didn't want controversy. And everybody ran with that. Um, I I do think it is fair to say that the governor did not want fetal heartbeat to be a distraction to the players or anyone else. Um, But I don't think it is fair to say he's embarrassed. I don't think that's it as well. I think the governor is a good steward of the state and understands that the media would do their best to make the fetal heartbeat legislation a distraction at the Masters and didn't want to do that to the Masters and to Augusta National. I think that was the wise thing to do on his part. Uh, It it is just like the, the propping up of Jen Jordan. You would think there was not a black Democrat in Georgia who actually did anything uh, these days with with Stacey Abrams no longer in charge, uh, and that Jen Jordan does everything. It is just fascinating how often uh, liberal reporters fall in love with uh, white liberal Democrats. Pete Butterjudge, Beto O'Rourke, Wendy Davis, Jen Jordan. Uh, It it is amazing that all of these people are so big into diversity and tolerance and skin color diversity, skin deep diversity. And, uh, but by God, you get a, a, a rich white liberal Democrat out there on stage and the media goes gaga for them and promotes them as if they're the second coming of, of Jesus when there are anything, but it is amazing to watch. You would not think that a single black Democrat in the state of Georgia, however much I disagree with them, uh, there were some making uh, valid, good, critical arguments about why the fetal heartbeat legislation probably should not be passed in Georgia. And they were leading the fight, particularly in the House of Representatives on it. You would be shocked to know because the media never wanted to cover it. They all wanted to cover the white Democrats who were doing it. And yet then they go out and, and they complain about it's just it's just, just a fascinating dynamic. Y'all watch this in the Democratic race. You've got Cory Booker and Kamala Harris running. And yet the media has become infatuated with Pete Butterjudge because he is a he's things white people like. Uh, white people in the media like Pete Butterjudge because he makes them feel good about themselves far more than anyone else does. And you know what they'll do after this? If Kamala Harris is not the nominee and a a white guy is, they will fall all over themselves to cover everything Kamala Harris does in the U.S. Senate and apologize for not covering her as much as they should have in the same way they're doing that to Stacey Abrams now after Beto O'Rourke. It's just, it's fascinating to watch this dimension play out in the media. And it's very, very productive, predictable.
Here's what we can expect on Thursday morning with the release of the Mueller report. It's supposed to happen before noon, and it's going to be redacted significantly. The Attorney General has told the Senate what he intends to do is, uh, in fact, what they're doing right now, as a matter of fact, is they're preparing an appendix to go with the Mueller report that will document the reason for every one of the redactions. Remember, federal law prohibits the release of information, public release of information acquired in a grand jury investigation. And much of the Mueller information was uh, acquired in the course of a grand jury investigation. So the attorney general, by law, can't release it. Congress loves this. The Democrats in Congress can claim that uh, Bob, or that uh, William Barr is engaged in a cover-up of the Mueller report, knowing he is prohibited by law from releasing the Mueller report. So he's going to release it. It's going to be heavily redacted, and you can expect there are going to be a bunch of supposedly objective reporters going along with the Democrats' stupid talking point on a cover-up. We'll keep you informed here.